If you're going to get intentional with communicating with your people, it has to start with getting intentional with communicating with your team. When the people on your team know what you're preaching, it allows everybody to be better in the process. And when your whole team is walking alongside you and leading your church, uh, man, it just makes everybody look better and it makes the presentation come across so much, uh, so, so much more effectively, in my opinion. Welcome to the Preaching Donkey Podcast, a weekly show where we explore how to preach life-changing messages. I'm your host, Lane Sebring, and I'm so excited to bring you inspiring and helpful conversations with amazing pastors and church leaders, all designed to help you take your preaching and leadership to the next level. And now, let's dive right in. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Preaching Donkey Podcast. This is episode seven. I am your host, Lane Sebring. It's great to have you on today. We've got an awesome show for you today. We have Jordan Easley on the show today, and he is an incredible pastor. It's going to be an amazing interview. I loved the opportunity to sit down with him. That interview, which you'll hear in just a little bit, we're going to talk about planning ahead on sermons, the importance of that. We're going to talk about working with your team and the importance of evangelism in ministry and in life. It's going to be a great interview. So you heard a little bit of him. I'll talk a little bit about more about him later on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those places, thank you so much. If you could leave a review and a five-star rating, <laughs> that would be awesome. That helps for more pastors to find this podcast, which is what we want. We want this to spread like wild Fire, and if you're watching on YouTube, it's so great to have you. Thanks for watching. Be sure to give this video a like, leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you think about today's interview, today's content, today's topic. That would be awesome. I want to share something really cool with you. I got an email from a subscriber, a Preaching Donkey subscriber, and I get emails, you know, every day that people email in for different things and ask questions and ask me to, to make a video about different topics or they give comments on, on what I've done or they want coaching or whatever. And I, I love interacting. So if you want to email me, you can go to lane at preachingdonkey.com. That's my email address, lane at preachingdonkey.com and send me an email. This person uh, named Kevin said this. Uh, hi, Lane. I just want to let you know that I really appreciate the video series you are doing. He's referring to a video series that I did on YouTube called Seven Steps to Writing a Sermon or How to Write a Sermon in Seven Steps. You can check it out on YouTube. It's been one of our most popular playlists over on YouTube. So many people, it's just a very kind of basic how to write a sermon in seven easy steps. So he said, I really appreciate the video series you are doing. I have been preaching for almost four years now. And I have been struggling with sermon prep. A systematic approach has been something I've always desired, but have not found one to work for me week after week. Just in the two videos you have made, I can tell things are already coming together, more structured. I truly cannot wait for the next videos so I can implement those steps as well. So uh, really appreciate that email. And it just goes to show, you know, one of the reasons why I put out Preaching Jumpstart and one of the reasons why I, I did this series on YouTube is, is because I have found that there are just so many pastors who are hungry and eager for practical, helpful information on how to prepare and how to deliver life-changing messages. So 
really excited about uh, this person. And also, man, if that's you, today's episode is really going to serve you well because Jordan Easley is going to go into some very practical things on those topics. And also, definitely check out our YouTube channel. Um, They're referring to a, a series of videos I did on the YouTube channel on Preaching Donkey. There's a lot of videos, a huge backlog on there that you can just go through and watch one by one and they can really serve you, and they can really serve your team well. So definitely watch, definitely share with your team members, and that will be awesome. I found a story on Christianity Today that I found to be very interesting. I like to, in most episodes, I like to bring up some relevant topic that I feel like is worth us discussing, and this is one of them. So this came out back in September of this year, but I feel I still feel like it's pretty relevant. It's an article on Christianity Today by Kate Shelnut. And it says, train up a teen. Young evangelicals mostly keep their parents' faith. So young evangelicals mostly keep their parents' faith. Pew Research finds that even the most devout young believers don't agree with mom and dad on everything. Christian parents weigh in on the challenges of teen discipleship. She says, a majority of American teens still follow their parents' lead when it comes to religion. The trend holds whether families are religious or not. But it's especially good news for evangelical Protestants who care the most about their their children sharing their beliefs. I find that to be very interesting that uh, according to Pew Research, and I'm guessing that's where she gets this, that evangelical Protestant Christians are the ones, at least in America, who have the most vested interest in what their parent, what their kids believe about religion? So their their kids taking on their religious views is very important to them, and I agree. I mean, I have four kids, and I want all of them to become followers of Jesus and be faithful to God in their lives and live godly. Christian lives submitted to Jesus and walking with him. That's my prayer for them, and that's my aim. And anything short of that, and I am going to continue to pray that that they find Jesus and that they walk closely with him. Evangelical teens, like their parents, stand out as the most confident and active in their faith when compared to their peers. According to a new Pew Research Center report on the religious practices of 13 to 17-year-olds, the religious makeup of today's teens mostly resembles the population overall. About a third are nuns, identifying as nothing in particular, atheist or agnostic, the largest category. After that, about a quarter identify as Catholic and 21% as evangelical. Even as teens, over half of evangelical surveyed say they attend church at least weekly, 64%, uh, pray at least daily, 51%, and belong to a youth group, 64%, compared to a minority of teen respondents from other traditions. It's not just parental pressure. In the survey, two-thirds of evangelical teens say they attend church because they want to go, not to appease mom and dad. You know, I was a youth pastor for about seven or eight years early on in my ministry. And it, you know, you as a student pastor, for those listening or watching who are student pastors, you tend to know who is there because they have to be there because it's, you know, it's Sunday, we got to go to church, or it's Wednesday night, we have to go to church. And the ones who you can tell want to be there and who are following Jesus, or at least want to be at church for some reason, whether it's social or otherwise. So I find that to be pretty interesting. The, the article goes on about these findings and the implications of them. You can find this article 
article at Christianity Today. Again, it's called Train Up a Teen. Young Evangelicals Mostly Keep Their Parents' Faith. I thought that was pretty interesting. Let me know on YouTube, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube in the comments, what you think about that, about the, the issue of teens keeping their parents' faith and how that plays into even your family. What, what your thoughts are on that, you can email me, like I said, Lane at Preaching Donkey. We're going to get into our interview with Jordan Easley. Now, let me tell you about Jordan. Jordan is the lead pastor at First Baptist Church of Cleveland, Tennessee. Prior to taking on that church a couple years ago, he has been involved in some really large and uh, influential churches around the United States. We're going to get into that in the interview. But he has kind of a wealth of experience in really large um, influential churches. And what's interesting is he has been able to take those principles of leadership and preaching into his role as the lead pastor at First Baptist Cleveland. And what's happened there is pretty amazing. The church has seen a lot of growth and he is a sharp guy, a sharp leader and a sharp communicator. And and we're going to dig into his process for planning ahead and his, his planning, his detail of planning is pretty amazing. I think you're really going to benefit from that. We're going to talk about bringing the team in with you, and he's going to kind of let us see into his mind of how he does that. And then I think you're really going to appreciate his heart for evangelism and his heart for other pastors, and particularly bivocational pastors and pastors of smaller churches who don't have the same kind of resources that he has as a pastor of a very large church. So this interview is very, very cool, very inspiring. There's a whole lot in there. So definitely grab your Evernote, okay, grab the Notes app on your phone or grab a pen and pad and get ready to listen to this and take lots of notes. And I will see you on the other side of the interview with Jordan Easley. Jordan Easley, it's so awesome to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here, man. Man, I'm pumped up to be here. I'm a huge fan uh, and love what you guys do and honored to be a part of it, man. Awesome. Awesome. So it's really cool to have you on. And I want to dive into some, some really practical things. But before we do, for those who are listening or watching who maybe don't know about you, I've talked a little bit about uh, where you are now as the lead pastor at First Baptist Cleveland. But how did you get here? What, what's kind of the backstory of how you got into ministry and your, your journey to this point? Wow. Well, I got saved as a young man. I, I was a preacher's kid growing up. Um, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I was 17, I felt God calling me into ministry. Uh, it was almost like an audible voice situation, not necessarily audible, but I knew God was calling me and I knew it was a yes or no moment. And I said no. Uh, because I wanted to do stuff that my dad, you know, wasn't doing. I wanted to make money. I wanted to have influence. I wanted to live in a big house and drive a nice car. And I knew that church was hard and I didn't like deacons and I didn't like being at the church all the time. And so I basically ran away from God's call in my life for several years until I was in college, uh, navigated through a little bit of tragedy that God used in my life to redirect me back onto the path that he called me on. And uh, long story short, man, I jumped into ministry at 20 years old. And uh, this is actually my, my 20th year in ministry, which is mind blowing to think. But, you know, the first church I went to was a church of 60 people. 
they had two students in the youth ministry and they're like, we want you to be the youth pastor. Uh, but you also have to lead worship too, because we can't pay you to do just one job. And so it was one of those situations where I was the youth pastor. I was leading the worship. I was working with the handbell choir and I was vacuuming the, the, the stairs afterwards. And so uh, it was one of those great, great experiences where I jumped into ministry, saw God do great things. And then uh, after that church, basically for, for about 12, 13 years, I went on a, a student ministry tour uh, and had the chance to work at some great churches under some great pastors. Uh, from there, I left to be a youth pastor at a church called Prestonwood Baptist Church with Pastor Jack Graham in Texas. Uh, from there, I, I served there for several years. Then I went to work with Charles Stanley at First Baptist Atlanta. And uh, he taught me, man, how to preach the word and how to study the word and uh, how to prepare well. And then from there, I went to work back in uh, Texas at Houston, at Second Baptist Houston, working with a, a guy named Ed Young, uh, served with him for six years. Uh, and I was doing youth ministry the whole time that I was working with these guys. But I was also learning practical ministry and I was learning how to preach and I was learning leadership and uh, man I, I've just had the privilege of, of serving along some guys who are giants in ministry and I've been able to pick certain things from each one of those experiences and make it a part of our ministry here at First Baptist Cleveland and just seeing God use it in a really really cool way. Uh, I believe God, God called me into to pastoring uh, when I was in Houston and uh, it was not something that I wanted to do. I ran away from that for a while, uh, but but God just made it abundantly clear that I was supposed to to do that. And that's what led us to Tennessee is the willingness to say yes to God's call on our life. Uh, my first church that I was the senior pastor of was one called Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We were there five years and saw God just do an incredible work in West Tennessee. Uh, and then God called us here a little over two years ago. Uh, which I, I really believe is is going to be our home for a really long time because God is just, he's given us a long-term vision of, of what is happening and what could happen if we really just locked in and trusted him. And so 20 years in ministry, um, still learning every single day and I have a long way to go. Wow. Well, that's quite a journey and I appreciate you you sharing all that. First of all, congrats on 20 years of, of ministry. That's a huge accomplishment. Uh, thanks. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I, I think a lot of people would will resonate with the hesitancy to follow God's call. I, mm. I know for me, that was an issue. I mean, for two years, I ran from it for a lot of the same reasons that you, you mentioned. I wanted to make more money than I thought I could make as a pastor. And the pastors that I'd been around in my life got pushed around a lot by the people in the church. And I thought, this is, I don't want this life. So right. I, 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 can, uh, I can relate. I think a lot of people can, but it's, it's pretty cool that you you said, okay, I'm going I'm to go for it. And then you were able to work at some pretty remarkable churches. I mean, from First Baptist Atlanta, Second yeah. Baptist in Houston, um, Prestonwood. Those are, those are really like landmark churches. Uh, so, so you've been very fortunate in that. Well, God's just, you know, he, he's put me in a position where I, I've really been able to, to get my education from practitioners. Hmm. You know, a lot of guys take the other route and they're, they're in classrooms until they're 40 and then they start their ministry. I, I didn't do that. I just jumped in and, and said yes to opportunities to be, to be front and center with some great men of God who are doing it in a way that, man, I just saw God blessing in crazy ways. And, um, and so, man, I've just looked at my entire ministry career, if you want to call it, as uh, it's one big classroom where you're learning what it looks like to to share the gospel, what it looks like to make a disciple, what it looks like to be strategic in your thinking uh, and to not just look at today in ministry, but look at how we can move from point A to point B and strategically 
um, use our brains that God has blessed us with to be more effective in what God's called us to do as, as just practitioners of the Great Commission in our day. And so, um, yeah, I, the, the bad thing about that is I can't take credit for anything that I'm doing because uh, all I've done is, is learn from people who have been down this path before uh, and tried to make it, um, make it fit our day, our culture, and our circumstance. And so uh, God's been so faithful, man, but I, I'm, I will be indebted to those guys for the remainder of my life in ministry because they took me under, under their wings uh, when they had no reason to. I'll never forget. I was 27 years old, and Charles Stanley looks at me and said, from now on, you're the teaching pastor as well. You're going to teach every fifth Sunday and give me the Sunday off. And he said, by doing that, I believe you're going to extend my ministry for 10 years. And so wow. it's crazy. What an honor. I mean, 27 years old. I'm like, what, what in the world are you thinking? You're a really smart guy. What are you thinking? But, but he did that. And uh, he connected me with his son, Andy, who taught me some really practical leadership lessons. And relationships and leadership have really been a huge part of my journey. Uh, and that's why I believe in what you're doing. I believe in this podcast because we can all learn from one another. Uh, and if we can make one person better at doing what God created us to do, it's worth it. Yeah, that's that's so good, man. And what what a cool thing. You know, it makes for those listeners, for those who are listening who are a little older, a little further along in their ministry, you know, for them to think about who is that twenty seven year old in their life uh, that has that yeah. potential and is eager to to learn and grow. Well, so along the way, you obviously now are have been a pastor for twenty years and been been preaching very uh, frequently as the lead pastor at these last two churches. So when it comes to the, the nitty gritty of sermon prep, and one of the things we talk about at Preaching Donkey is just the desire that a lot of people have to work ahead, which is very difficult for a lot of people. What is your kind of method around working ahead? And what would you suggest to those who are looking to, to do that? Working ahead is a huge part of strategic thinking and strategic leadership. For me, uh, I can tell you what I'm preaching any Sunday from now until the end of 2023. Uh, and people hear that and they're like, what are you talking about? You know, but that's just the way I've just seen the Lord really use that and bless that in a crazy way. I'm sitting here looking at, at my, my preaching schedule. And, and let me just say that I get away every year and I evaluate, I pray, I, I prepare. It's just me, man, me and the Lord thinking and praying about what the people need to hear. And, um, and so God just um, has allowed me to do that for the last 10 years or so. And so now I'm, I'm just continuing. I'm reading through it and I evaluate it, even though it's two years out next year, I mean, I'm going to go and I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to hear from the Lord. Uh, and I can tell you, um, you know, right now I'm in an eight week series called staying faithful in seasons of uncertainty. I, I know that it's not really applicable because we're not in uncertain times no, right now. Not but, at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, you know, we're learning from people in the Bible about times that they were in uncertain times and how they responded in faithfulness and how God was faithful, even in those difficult times. It takes us to the end of the year. 2021 kicks off uh, with a 13 week study through the book of Ephesians. I've got every single one of those titled and I have uh, the, the passage that I'm going to preach. And I've got the, the points that I really want to emphasize. Uh, after that, we're going into uh, another series, eight weeks, uh, Holy Land Highlight at certain places in the Holy Land and things that happen there. And, um, and I'm also going to show videos from a previous uh, a trip. And then, man, you get to next year. I've got, I've got something called Gold Medal Family. For five weeks, we're going to talk about what the family is supposed to look like according to the Bible. But we've got the whole theme of Gold Medal Family because it's at the exact same times the Olympics are on. 
Uh, and so how cool is that? The Olympics are on all week. We're talking about the Olympics, and yet we have an Olympic-themed gold medal family series going on at church. I could keep going. But the thing is, when you're strategic in your thinking, you can be more intentional in your planning. Hmm. I want you to think about what I just said. With your preaching, the more strategic you are on your, in your thinking, the more strategic you can be in your planning. So knowing that I've got a family series going on next year during the Olympics, right now, if I read something on Twitter and I'm like, man, this is a great illustration for family, or this is a great illustration on fatherhood, what I do, I've got a filing system that plans ahead. And so on the, so on the day it comes time to write the sermon, number one on parenting or fatherhood, Throughout the last year, two years, I've been dumping stuff, dumping stuff in this file. In my personal time with the Lord, I read a passage. I'm like, man, that, that hits me as a dad, man. I, I need to be reminded of the scripture in July of 2021, and I dump it in the file. So I open it up, and it's not just, it's Monday, Lord, speak through me. You know, it's, it's Lord, you've been speaking to me and showing me things for the last two years, getting me ready for this moment where we get to break open the word of God and explain to your people what this looks like. And so it's a planning process that allows us to not only be strategic in where we're going, but it helps us in the planning process along the way. Yeah, well, th th that's, that's really cool. There's so much there. I want to go back to, um, I, there's a few things that come to mind that I want to kind of dig deeper on. So the Ephesians series, you gave that as an example, you know, the title passage and points for that series. Do you know the title passage and points all the way through 2023? How, how do you work that out? Is, is that kind of a rolling uh, process throughout the year where you get so far ahead on those things? No, I've got every single one of those things broken down. Uh, like I can tell you uh, on the Holy Land highlights, I can tell you week number one is on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calls. And I'm, I'm breaking down the text where Jesus is, you know, the miracles at the Sea of Galilee, the, the, the acts of faith that are happening. Week number two, Caesarea Philippi, Philippi uh, who do you say I am? You know, you know that text where he goes back in. And so I've got it broken down where it's an intentional journey through every single week, everything, every single series. It has a place to start. It has a place to end. It has practical points along the way and it has text that the entire thing is built on. And so, um, I mean, that, that's where we're at. I can tell you in September of 2021, all the way through uh, November, I've got a series called church moving forward. Uh, it's actually, it's actually 11 weeks. Week number one, for all who believe is Acts chapter 10, breaking new ground, Acts chapter 11. We're just walking through the book of Acts and, uh, and showing all of these different things that happened as a part of Paul's missionary journeys. And so, um, yeah, I, I think by planning ahead, it just makes it easy to prepare. Uh, but it also gives, it gives your media team and the people who are supporting your services and supporting your your sermons, it gives them a, you know, a trajectory to kind of follow. Uh, when you do that, it also enables you the ability to be excellent in the way that you are uh, presenting, right? Because not only are you going to be a better communicator with your words, but it gives your team uh, adequate time to come and support and to find bumper videos that support what you're talking about, to find uh, scripture videos or not even videos, maybe props, maybe uh, different illustrations. You could have a creative team come alongside you. And if you say, hey, for these weeks right here, I'm going from Acts chapter 10 to Acts chapter 14. And these are the messages. And this is the breakdown. And maybe you give some people on your staff or even some volunteers an opportunity to speak into that process saying, hey, help me find a good illustration, an opening illustration that helps set this up. Now you're including other people in the process, which I believe 
It's a huge part of discipleship. And so I think it, it, it allows you as a minister and a communicator to be way more effective and to just provide excellence in, in a way that you can't if you're just waking up on Monday tired and hung over saying, okay, Lord, what are we preaching next Sunday? Yeah, that's, that's huge. I, you know, there's so many elements of that, not only for, for you, like you said, but when your team knows a year out or six weeks out that they can get this creative element going, they have time to find those people, shoot the interviews, do, do whatever, find a cool life change story. You can't do that week of typically very well. So that's, that's, really, that's really awesome. One thing that comes to my mind hearing you describe this is just how organized you must have to be if you have the you have this folder system and you've you've got these reminders so you talked about how you get away once a year during that time that you get away what does that look like is it just you is it is it a three-day you know kind of retreat do you bring your team with you uh help us kind of think through what that process looks like those retreats look completely different every single time i do one um I can tell you the last one I did, it was me and my dad and one of my teaching pastors, and we went hunting. That's what we did. And then we sat in the cabin, uh, and we prayed together, and we broke it down, and we talked about the state of our church and the state of our people. Uh, and we basically said, what do our people need to hear? And, uh, and so that's what it looked like. Other times, it's been me by myself. You know, this is a – sometimes I'll go away, and if I'm speaking at a conference or whatever, I find myself – alone in a hotel room all by myself for the entire day. And I speak at night and I just say, listen, on that day, I'm going to intentionally just spend about eight hours praying, seeking the Lord, reading my Bible, you know, asking critical questions about trajectory and where we're going as a church. And so um, I, I just, I, I, I schedule it uh, and I have to be intentional to schedule it or I'll never do it. Uh, and so by intentionally scheduling that time, knowing I'm going to seek the Lord, knowing that I'm going to ask him for direction um, I come prepared to hear from God. Now, I'll also say this. Um, that is a part of our strategy. Building this message prep and all that, that's a strategy. Uh, but at the end of the day, and I say this a lot, strategy is, is our diligence. It's not our dependence. Uh, and so Good. Where, you, where you're saying, I'm being diligent as a leader to have a, have a strategy and know where we're going in this organization, in this church. I know where we're heading. Um, we still don't, we're, we're not depending on the strategy. It's just our diligence. And so um, I'm still very open to the Holy Spirit's leadership. Uh, there's four different times this past year where on Saturday night, I punted, man. I just punted and I said, no, to, to do something completely different. He, he's telling me to speak on something completely different. And so because I felt the Holy Spirit's leadership in that way, uh, my, my entire team knows, listen, it's never guaranteed that we're going to be doing this just because it's a part of our strategy doesn't mean that, that that's going to happen. And so you have to still remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadership and not rely merely on strategy. Once again, that, that's your diligence. It's not your dependence. We got to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. We have to be dependent on his, his power, his leadership, his presence. If we're going to be preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing I love about your approach is that you do have the plan. You're not just kind of leaving it up to God's going to tell me what to say when I get up there, right? That doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you leave your hands open for God could change my, my heart in the last moment. And you've got a team that's flexible and can go with that, which is great. It's yeah. really cool. So, um, 
So you've got this system for planning ahead, which I think is going to be really helpful for people to think through how can they get ahead. And, you know, one of the, before we move away from that, one of the things that I noticed is that you've got this gold medal family series and you know what's happening when that series is going to be happening, right? So mm-hmm. obviously during this process, you looked at a calendar, right? You, you, you checked current events. So do you have a, a process for that? Or is that just as simple as getting out your calendar and checking what's going on? Or do you bring your team in on that process as well? I, I haven't brought my team in on it. I, I just, I try to stay pretty relevant with knowing what's going on, what's going to happen with our world. And so I try to think like a lost person a lot when I write a sermon. In fact, I think we're better preachers when we think think like a lost person and not just a church person. Sure. Uh, and so I'm thinking, okay, if I'm my neighbor who doesn't love Jesus, what are they going to be thinking about in November of 2020? And I thought that, I mean, I wondered that, you know, in 2017, 2018, when I was planning the series, I'm currently preaching, you know, I mean, this is how to be faithful in seasons of uncertainty. I didn't even know who was going to be running against our president for in this presidential election. But guess what? I knew that no matter who it was, these were going to be seasons of uncertainty for most of the world that doesn't know Jesus. And even those who do love Jesus, right? Yeah. And so... Yeah, I mean, so you can plan ahead to have three years, knowing what's going to happen if you're aware of what's going on in the world, thinking like a lost person, not just a church person. I know the whole world is going to be watching the Olympics in July of 2021. I know that. In fact, originally I had this series planned for the fall of this year. And so I had to move the Olympics when the coronavirus moved the Olympics. And so it doesn't just cancel that. It just moves it to the dates that that is. And we start building it out that way. And so by being aware of what's happening in the world, uh, you need to know what's going to captivate the attention of your lost friends and neighbors. When you understand what's captivating their attention, uh, it makes it real easy to prepare a series that goes along with that because their attention's already there. And so why not capitalize on whatever is captivating, right? Yeah. So you're using the, the kind of hook of the series as a bridge to those who otherwise would not. If you just said, we're going to have a series on, on a godly family, that's not going to really speak to people who don't care about having a godly family. Um, yeah. But by leveraging what's happening in the culture, you're building a bridge and creating an invite. So when that, when that um, series happens, are those series at your church, uh, do you do a, a bigger push for invites? Like, is that, is that kind of one that you leverage to say, get your friends here? We're going to talk about family. How, how do you deal with that? We always do that. And so we're always thinking about how to get more people into our building, but we're also thinking about how to get people in our building to more people. And so we think about it in two different ways, uh, but we want it to be relevant, you know, um, like I mentioned several times, we're right in the middle of a series and it needs to go along with whatever is happening in the world, in my opinion. For instance, this is an eight-week series, Staying Faithful in Seasons of Uncertainty. Uh, The week of the presidential election, preached on Job, all right, because half of the people in our country just, I mean, they just lost. And half of them are just shaking their heads saying, how in the world are we going to get through this day? Job's a great person to talk about. Um, But in that same series, I also know that Christmas is coming. And so the last two weeks are December the 23rd or December the 30 or 27th or whatever. So you've got whatever the dates are. You've got those two weeks that are right around Christmas. 
And so in the seasons of uncertainty, I'm thinking characters who experience seasons of uncertainty. How about Mary, right? And so Mar- we're going to talk about Mary. It's, a, it's not a Christmas sermon. It's about Mary when she was facing a season of uncertainty and how she responded to God when she didn't know what was going to be written on the next page of the story. But it's at Christmas. Why not talk about Mary? The last person of the series, it's on the 27th. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're ending the series with Jesus. Jesus, fully, fully God, fully man. And yet there was a season where, where he was saying, it's not my will, but it is your will, right? And so it's going to take us straight to the cross. Uh, it's going to be, it's a great way to end that series at the end of the year, uh, talking about, you know, how it is finished, talking about the end of the year, about a season of finality, but also a season of uncertainty and how God was good the whole way through. So I try to think about what's going on on the calendar, what's going on in our world, what does the Bible tell us, you know, regarding our circumstance, and how can we capitalize on all of those things to point people to the hope we have in Jesus? Wow, that's really good, man. I, I love that. I think that's really going to benefit those listening. So you've got the, you, you've planned out all your, your series, you got that nailed down. When it comes to a given sermon, getting a given sermon ready. There's a lot of parts to it, right? The slides, what you have up with you when you preach, what the people see, what they what they have in their handout, what, what, however you do it. Can you walk us through the process of how you get your sermon from, you know, from kind of your computer to ready for prime time and how your team is involved in that? Yeah, man, when the computer's on, when, when the sermon's on my computer, that's a good day. Getting it to the computer is a whole nother process, right? And it starts with this is what the Lord is leading us to, to, to teach. Uh, this is a passage of scripture that is the foundation for everything. From, from that process, it goes to my whiteboard where I'm just highlighting these are the major points that we want to emphasize from this text. Uh, from the whiteboard, it goes to a word-for-word manuscript. I'm a manuscript guy. I write every word that you hear me preach. I have, I have not only written that out word-for-word and had a chance to pray over it, um, but then I've had a chance to study that over and over again so that that message from the Lord has gotten into my heart and allows me to become a better communicator. Um, and so uh, once it once it gets in a word document and I know every single word that I'm going to be preaching, uh, then I email that to several people on my staff. I email it to my communications person who's doing commercials, videos, uh, sermon clips, sermon, uh, the, the, the slides on the big screen, the television that's next to me, he's creating all of that, pulling graphics to support it, um, pulling up, making bumper videos to, to, to kick off the sermon. And, and it's all themed around whatever the sermon series is. It also goes to my extended family pastor. Uh, his name is Michael Head. He runs extendedfamily.church, which is a ministry of our church uh, that takes the message to the uttermost parts of the earth every single week, man. We, just last week, we had people saved on six continents in one day uh, because wow. of the broadcast. We're, we've seen that go from just a couple thousand people watching on Sunday to now over 200,000 people are watching around the world every Sunday. Um, but it's being intentional with extended family, thinking about people who can't get to us in person. How can we get the message to them? Uh, and so we have a, an entire ministry that is partnering with people virtually, allowing them to connect in virtual communities. Uh, we have new believers classes that happen online. We have discipleship classes that happen throughout the week online. We have midweek Bible studies. But on Sunday, it allows us to take the message around the world. And Michael Head does a great job of coordinating those efforts. So it goes to him. 
Uh, it also goes to my assistant. It goes to several of our preacher boys who I just like to give the information to. It goes to our worship leader, uh, our worship pastor. And listen, if you're not coordinating your sermons with your worship pastor, you're missing it because it allows us to work together thematically knowing this is the text for the day. And, and he does a remarkable job of partnering what we're singing about with what we're, what we're hearing about from God's word. And so um, all of that's happening about two weeks before I preach a sermon. I try to, we, I, I try to work two weeks out. And so um, today I'm working on a sermon that I'm preaching in three weeks. I've already, I've already written and prepared and prayed over the ones that I'm preaching this Sunday and next Sunday. So today, actually, I'm, I'm working on a sermon that I'm preaching in three weeks. And so they've already got my next two word-for-word -word manuscripts, not just an outline, but they know exactly what I'm going to say, when I'm going to say it. In that manuscript, I mean, I put, I put these are the areas where I'm going to pause. If you're going to get intentional with communicating with your people, it has to start with getting intentional with communicating with your team. Hmm. When the people on your team know what you're preaching, it allows everybody to be better in the process. And when your whole team is walking alongside you and leading your church, uh, man, it just makes everybody look better and it makes the presentation come across so much, uh, so, so much more effectively in my opinion. And so my worship guy uh, looks like, Look, looks like a genius on most days because I'll preach a whole sermon and then we'll sing a song exactly about what we just heard. And people are like, man, how does he do that every week? <laughs> but it all starts with communication. It starts with the pastor. You got to communicate with your team, communicate with your people. And as a result, God will use it in great ways. Yeah, that's so true. Like if your team doesn't feel like they're brought into what's happening and they're just kind of watching it happen like everyone else, that's a great way to make them feel like outsiders to the process. So there's a lot of wisdom in that. I love it. So, um, so, so that, so you've got a very intricate process. I mean, I, I think the level of detail where you know in your sermon when you're going to pause. <laughs> I mean, that is that is next level, my friend. I've dealt with a lot of pastors through the years, uh, coaching and you know just collaborating. I don't know very many people that detailed. That's impressive. Well, that, and that doesn't come from me. You know what that is? That's that's Ed Junior or not Ed Junior. That's Ed. Senior, Ed, Ed Young Sr., uh, looking at me the first time I preached at first at Second Baptist Houston, and he said, you talk too fast. Hmm. Uh, and I said, I, I know. I, I get excited. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm young. Uh, we have 7,000 seats in our worship center. They're full. I'm freaked out. And so you know how it is, man. I mean, you have three cups of coffee. You get in front of 7,000 people. You can preach a 40-minute sermon in 12 minutes because you get sure. fired up. I mean, you're like... Yeah, I mean, this is awesome. This is like a, a preacher's heaven, right? And um, and so he said, you talk too fast. And and he told me these words. He said, listen, you've got to learn that there is power in the pause. Hmm. And he said, did, he said, you, did you hear how I said that? There is power in the pause. And I was like, okay, I got it. He said, when, when I paused in that sentence, you leaned in. He said, there is power in the pause. And I was like, okay, I get it. So um, that's just one, one of those lessons, just communication lessons that you get from somebody who's been doing it for 70 years. And you're like, okay, if I could adapt that, if I could bring that into my presentation, then, then I can learn from that. It, it's going to make me a better communicator. You know, we all learn different things along the way. Um, but sometimes I think we just we just hope that those things are going to become a part of how we communicate and we're not intentional in making sure that they are a part of how we communicate. 
And so when there's, when there's something I want to intentionally add to my communication style, I put it in the notes. Um, if the Lord says right here, you need to pause right here. You need to lean in right here. You need to put this phrase on that screen to make sure everybody has a chance to write it down and take it home with them. Uh, we do that. And when you look at my sermon manuscript, you can see, uh, you can see my system. It's very easy. You know, um, I've got every, every passage of scripture is in blue. Every question that I ask all morning long will be written in red. Everything that's highlighted in yellow is going to go on a screen. And if it's highlighted in blue, that means it's just for me. Those are communication notes. If I have the word pause written down, it's highlighted in blue. And I know it catches my eye and it, it reminds me you're pausing here. Even though it's a word for word manuscript, my goal is to only look at one page or look at each page about one to two times. And so I'm not reading words, man. I hate that. My pet peeves is if you're going to preach and this is what you do to read, you're just reading right. and you're preaching so hard at that pulpit, man. Like, why are you yelling at your pulpit? You know, um, I'm never, you're not going to see me yelling at a pulpit. I'm, I'm there to communicate with people. Andy Stanley told me that he said, communication is not speaking. Communication is when you speak and the person you're speaking to receives what you're saying. Uh, and so here's the thing. If you're not receiving what I'm saying, I'm not really communicating. I'm just talking. And so I can't talk to you expecting you to take in what I'm, I'm saying if I'm not looking at you and communicate. You communicate with your body, your, your body language. Uh, you communicate in pauses and emphasis. Um, and if we fail to do those things, we're not going to be an effective communicator. And so those are the things I'm trying to learn, but the things I'm trying to learn are the things I'm trying to apply and I can't apply them unless I'm intentional to add them. And so I add them to my notes so that I don't miss an opportunity to be excellent in, in when I'm preaching. So, well, that level of intentionality is, is uh, an aspiration that a lot of us can, can, uh, can, uh, you know, work towards. I, I will say for those listening, I have a lot of, of pastors who prefer to preach with a manuscript. And, and I, I, I want to encourage anybody who preaches with a manuscript to go check out Jordan's sermons because uh, I would have never guessed, I watched about three or four of your sermons before this interview. I would have never guessed that you're actually, that you have a full manuscript. Your notes are in your Bible, which I do as well. You can tell that they're color coded if you look close enough, but th there was no just sitting there reading it. You're a very engaging, dynamic communicator. So for anybody who is, um, is, is, prefers a manuscript style, go check out Jordan's sermons because it's going to be an education on how to do it right. Well, thanks for saying that, man. And let me tell you another benefit that I've discovered. Um, when you're a manuscript guy, it really helps when it comes time to write your book. Uh, you know, I had somebody approach me about seven or eight years ago and say, man, you really need to consider making this in book form because there's a lot of people who will read that won't listen to you on Sunday morning. And I, I was like, man, I, I don't really want to write a book. And they're like, you don't have to if you're a manuscript guy. And so I seriously just sent manuscripts to a, a publisher and they turned my, my words into a book form. And that's how I wrote my first book. I didn't even mean to write a book. I just wrote sermons and they took eight sermons and turned them into a book. Um, and now since then, I, I've done four books the same way. And it just makes it a lot easier. It's also a great way to be a blessing to other preachers. You know, one of my one of my hearts and passions, I have a passion uh, to invest in bivocational pastors, bivocational pastors, foreign missionaries and uh, church planters. Those are my heroes. Like when you ask me, who are your heroes in ministry? That's that's who I look up to. Uh, I don't look up to mega church guys. I think, honestly, 
they have easier jobs than the other guys I just mentioned because they have so much help, including myself. Um, but like we started Lockerman Leadership Institute. We, we take in 12 bivocational pastors in our own city every single year and we invest in them for 12 months and then we pay to send all of them to ho- the, the Holy Land with my dad. You know, I mean, just as a way to invest in their ministry and in their lives and in their churches. Um, but the reason we do that is because I love bivocational pastors who they're plumbers for 40 hours a week. And then they're preaching to a church on Sunday morning. I'm like, how in the world are you supposed to do that effectively? Uh, and so one way that I've, I've discovered is if you preach with a manuscript, then you could be a blessing to a bivocational pastor who hasn't been to seminary, hasn't been trained. He's been working a job all week and he can really, he can gather a lot of your research and the time that you've spent in preparing that sermon and apply it to whatever it is he's doing as a part of his ministry on the weekends. And so I don't have a problem with that. I'm like, listen, the Lord, this is the Lord's. He gave me this message as a gift and now it's time to re-gift it all over the place. One of the ways I do that is um, you, you can now find my sermons, a bunch of them on sermonsearch.com uh, where, you know, I basically have given all my sermons to this website and now they're distributing that to pastors who can be blessed by them. But if somebody emails me and says, Hey, I love that sermon or that series. Can you send it to me? I'll send it to them, you know, for, for nothing, just to be a, an investment into whatever they're doing. I see that as a great reward where buddies of mine who preach off of, they preach off of an outline and uh, there's not a lot that they can distribute. You know, I see a great benefit in having a manuscript. The other thing is, uh, you know, at our church, um, I preach three times every Sunday morning. And in order for me to be an effective communicator, I also have to be an effective leader, uh, which means I can't preach for 50 minutes, one, one service and 22 minutes, the next service. I need to be able to, to give my entire flock, kind of the same meat and the same potatoes. And in order to do that effectively in my mind is, is to know what you're going to say and when you're going to say it and how you're going to say it. And because of that, it's weird. My, my media guy will tell you my sermons, I preach th- the same message three times. They will be within 40 seconds of each other from start to finish every single Sunday, Wow, uh, awesome. which it, it prevents me from chasing rabbits. Bad, you know, bad preaching in my opinion is when you, you chase rabbits and you never get to the, the point and then get to the point, what is God trying to communicate to us today? And when we chase rabbits and we never get to the point, uh, you know, we're ripping everybody off. We just wasted people's time. I never want to be accused of that. And so there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, it does take more work to do what I just said, uh, the manuscript, the intentional word for word, praying over it, distributing that to your people highlighting. I get it. It's more work, but in the end, I think it makes a greater resource uh, that God can use. I love the the kingdom heart behind helping Bivo uh, pastors. I, I've, in my audience, I've got a lot of bivocational pastors awesome. and, and they, I, I think sermons, you said sermonsearch.com. That's it. Yeah. I would encourage people to go there because you're right. I mean, that, that can be a huge, huge blessing to, to people who don't, they don't have 40 hours a week to study for a sermon. Uh, they they might have five hours to carve out and they want to do the best they can. So that, that'll be, that'll be huge. Um, well, let, let's talk about your latest book uh, before, before okay. we go. And, and by the way, this has been so helpful and I know it's going to really, really be a huge benefit to our listeners. And I want them to get their hands on your book, Resuscitating Evangelism. Can you tell me a little bit about the vision behind that book and how it could help those who, uh, who are listening? You bet, man. I am unapologetically, unapologetically, um, evangelistic, not only in my life, but in my leadership and my preaching. Uh, and 
Um, there's certain people that know that about me. Uh, I just, I love being able to fish for people and do what Jesus told us to, to do and be about the Great Commission. Uh, and, and, you know, when you think about that, us as a church right now, as the church, we're seeing, we're seeing downward trajectory uh, graphs in every single area of evangelism, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the convention I'm a part of, but in all denominations, all conventions, you're seeing a downward trend in evangelism. And so uh, a couple of years ago, B&H and Lifeway reached out to me and asked me if I would be willing to write a book on evangelism, the importance of evangelism, not only in your preaching, but in your life, talking about lay people, not just ministers, but lay people and, and how to make how to make evangelism a part of your everyday journey, being obedient to what God called you to do and, and the person he called you to be. And so um, it was right in the middle of a transition. We were transitioning to Cleveland and I was like, man, I honestly don't have time to write a book right now. This wasn't a sermon series that I could just hand over the manuscript and say, take it. This was a, they were telling me, man, this is really the focus we wanted to be on. Uh, and we think that you're our guy. And so I asked them, I said, Hey, would it be okay if I invited my dad into this project with me and we could co-write this book together. My dad was a senior pastor for 31 years. Uh, he was a professor of evangelism at Union University in Tennessee. Uh, and so he has this heartbeat. The reason I have this heartbeat is because I've seen it lived out in him since I was a, a child. I mean, we used to go visiting together on Monday. I was the kid that was told, you're coming with me. Don't say a word, stay out of my way and just be in the room. But, um, but so we've gone from that to now, uh, I'm the senior pastor of the church and my dad works for me. So it's great. Now I get to pay him back for all the things he did when <laughs> I was a child. But uh, so, so he's on, on our staff. He's in a teaching pastor role over evangelism. He does all of our evangelism training. And so they said, yes. And so we've had the privilege of co-writing a book together called resuscitating evangelism. That title uh, just came to me in the middle of the night. It's, it's not that we're bringing it back from the dead, but we're saying it it's evangelism isn't dead but it's definitely on its deathbed. And yeah. if we don't do something, if we're not intentional, if we don't build a strategy in how to get evangelism elevated in our life, elevated as a priority in our churches and in our preaching, then we're never going to see more people come to know Jesus than we're currently seeing now. I mean, think about this, man. We've got more churches than we've ever had, and we're seeing less people baptized year after year after year, which ought to be a red flag for us. And so this is really you know, it, it addresses where we are right now in our world. It addresses the lack of evangelism that we're seeing in our people and in our preaching. But then it talks about just some practical ways that we can make this a part of our life, being obedient to what Jesus told us to do. And he told us, uh, if you're my disciple, you're going to do some things. And, and what you see is you're going to fish for people. And yet how many of us are throwing out, throwing out the line every day, trying to catch a fish? You know, if you're, disciples and he's talking to a disciples knowing they're going to become apostles you know a disciple is someone who who learns and someone who's growing and being educated but man every one of those disciples became apostles which that word apostles means to be sent out and so you're called to be a disciple not just to learn but to be prepared to be sent out on mission doing what jesus told you to do so this book is just that it it number one is our goal was to make the reader more soul conscious. That's the term that we use. Understanding that everybody is going to live forever somewhere. And when you can become soul conscious, seeing the world differently, seeing the people around you the same way that Jesus sees people, then it allows you to become obedient in a way that is almost unnatural. Um, so now it's not just your waitress at lunch. No, it's, 
It's Janice, a lady who is going to die one day and go to heaven or hell. Janice, who's raising two kids that have souls that are going to live eternally somewhere. And so now you're looking at people differently. You're strategically thinking about how you could take a normal conversation and turn it into a gospel conversation. And it reminds us that strategy is our diligence. It's not our dependence. We need the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need God's leadership in our life as we're navigating this journey and trying to find ways to share the hope of Jesus with somebody who is, is going to need the hope of Jesus. And so, man, I, I love the book. You know, I've got it on my bookshelf right here. Here's what it looks like if, if, if you've seen it. Um, but, but that's what the book looks like. It's through B&H and Lifeway. Um, you know, it came out hot right as the pandemic was breaking in March. And so nobody was buying books and it, it reached like number two on Amazon on the Christian section for a couple of days. But, but you know, awesome. the book is, uh, it's just a resource, man. You know, we wrote it more or less just for our church. And we want the people in our church to, to read the book. And yet God's been able to use it in great ways. And we've had several um, uh, seminaries and even Christian colleges have have made it a part of their evangelism curriculum and uh, it's definitely not a textbook man this is a practitioner book it's a book that anybody can read if you know jesus you're going to get it and so uh yeah hopefully god will use it in a great way and um if you've got preachers that say man how can i become more evangelistic in my preaching or just my life or my leadership how can i get my people sharing the gospel how can i make this a priority and where we're headed as the church as a part of our strategy uh, it's a great book to read with your deacons, with your leadership, with your staff, uh, just to make sure that it's a priority for everybody involved in your organization. Wow. Well, that'll be really great. I hope a lot of people listening will buy several copies for their team and to uh, to give to the people in their church. I think that's going to be really great. Jordan, thanks so much uh, for being on today. This was just packed with such great insights and nitty gritty practical stuff. I love your heart for the gospel and for pastors and for helping them out. For those who are going to want to connect with you at Jordan Easley on Twitter and Jordan underscore Easley on Instagram, that's where you can find them. Um, anything else you'd like to add to that before we say goodbye and, and let you go? No, man. Thank you so much for the invitation. It really has been an honor uh, knowing that so many great faithful pastors are watching this right now and uh just know that uh man i just i look up to every single one of them i pray for pastors that i don't know their names and just pray that god would use them and i pray that god would use this interview um just to maybe spark an idea or to motivate somebody who need, needs motivation the devil works really hard to discourage this group of people and yet we're reminded that god uses people <laughs> that the devil wants to discourage and so be encouraged today understand if you're if you're battling something if you're experiencing pushback right now uh, if you're experiencing a desert season, that that the promised land comes at the end of the desert, you know, and um, you know God's pointing uh, all of us in a, in a, in a place that that um, that good things are coming, and even when you can't see it, God is working and He's using you in great ways. And and so, man, if I can do anything to help or support any of the pastors that are listening to you, I'd love to connect on social media. Um, if you want to come hang out with with us here at First Baptist Cleveland, if we could be an encouragement to you, man, don't even hesitate. We want to be a blessing to the pastors across America who are making a difference for the kingdom of God. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jordan Easley. Great to have you on today. Thank you, brother. Honored. Well, you can see that Jordan has so much to offer those of us who aspire to preach and preach well and plan ahead. And I hope that interview was as, as inspiring to you as it was to me. Definitely follow up with him. Make sure you check out his books 
as particularly resuscitating evangelism. That's an incredible book that you definitely need to check out. At, we have so many amazing episodes coming up in the Preaching Donkey podcast next year, starting in January. It's going to be awesome. I do have an episode for you next week and the week after that, even though that's going to be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. I got some cool stuff planned. And so while you're doing Christmas and while you're doing all that, these episodes are going to pop up and give them a listen because I've got some things for you that I think are going to be really encouraging to you and helpful. And then we are going to hit the ground running in January with some incredible, some more incredible interviews and awesome pastors that we're going to bring on and church leaders to inspire you to preach and lead with more impact and influence than ever before. And to be able to preach life-changing messages, which is what we're all about here at Preaching Donkey. So thank you. Thank you for a great first seven episodes. I don't know if you know this, but they say that in the podcasting world, if you can get to episode seven, then you're basically solid as a podcast. And so couldn't have made it here without you. Thank you so much for your dedication. Be sure to leave a review if you're listening, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. And I will see you, whether you're watching or listening, in the next episode. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.